Hello. I'm excited to be here with you guys. And you know it is a female up here when the first thing she sits down is her Stanley pink water bottle. So if you don't know what a Stanley is, it's okay. It's an overpriced water bottle. Um, I'm really excited to be here tonight. I love team nights because I feel like it's just an opportunity to be with family. We're brothers and sisters, we're serving together, and I feel, even if we don't talk about it, it's just this unspoken truth that we feel seen in some of the hardships of ministry sometimes. Um, sometimes, to be honest, we're just in the thick of it, and we know that ministry can be hard, people can be hard, um, leading can be hard, teams can be hard, all of those things, and so we kind of get to share that common ground today, but we also get to experience the beauty of ministry, the miracles that happen in ministry, um, and just be reminded of the unity that we have as a church and as a body. Um, and I'm gonna guess if you're in here and you're someone that serves on a team or you're interested in serving on a team, I'm gonna guess that you're potentially somewhat of a doer. Are there any doers, achievers, people with checklists? Yes. And this has been me probably since I could write. I loved my planner so much. It's like if I lost it, it would not be, it would not be good for anyone. And if you're anything like me, you like to be a part of things, you don't wanna miss out, um, you're excited to see the mission moved forward, whatever that might be in work or at home, um, and you wanna check things off the list sometimes, which can be good and bad. I, in my checklist that I write each day, I will sometimes even write a box and put shower because I truly just wanna check the box and sometimes I need a reminder to shower. Sorry, Chris. Okay. Um, but to give a little context to who I am and some of that doing, um, 10 years ago almost, uh, Chris and I got the privilege of planting rise with Jason and Jesse, my parents, and some other couples and families. Um, we were just excited to plant um, a church here in the Gresham area and have another expression of the church. Um, and a couple years prior to that, we opened a coffee shop in Fairview. Six years later, did a drive-through around the corner, and still, still, we're still doing that, um, doing the coffee thing. And amidst the last decade, we've also had three boys. If you're wondering what a life with three boys plus a husband plus two geckos and a cat that are also male is like, it's just very loud. It's exactly what you would picture. It's very fun. Um, basketball is being played 24-7. Pokemon cards are everywhere, and I try to throw them away as much as possible. Um, but it's been busy, and I like to have a full schedule, and I like to have mission and goals and dreams and ambition, and I do believe God has given me those things, and I believe he's probably given you a lot of that as well. Um, but probably the last year and a half, my like most recent blessing in all of that is my son, Harbor. He is now three, and I'm realizing that he's not a baby anymore, and it's starting to feel like, is something else gonna come? Like, what's next? What's next on the list? What can I think about and dream about? The diapers are going away, the crib is gone, the binkies, it took a long time, but the binkies are gone, and I just started to kind of get that itch and that stirring to do something again. But I think this time it wasn't from maybe the best intentions. It was a little bit more about filling my schedule, filling my cup, um, having something new, because new is fun. 
And when I really realized it with Harbor, because if you know him, this will not surprise you, and you maybe have already heard it, but not too long ago, I was telling him how much I loved him. I was like, you're my baby, I love you. And he's like, I love you. And he'll sometimes be like, you're pretty, you're my best mom. Like he says the cutest stuff. And he goes, I love you, mom. And I'm gonna kick you in the nuts. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. I need a new baby that doesn't talk. Um, but yeah, so if you ask him if he's a baby, he, he might do that or say that to you. But I was starting to feel Again, that desire, that itch for something new. And uh, so I brought it up with Chris, and I was like trying to sneak my way in like another baby. He's like, that's not possible. We took care of that. Um, <laughs> another business. He's like, you have enough that you need to do for this one. Um, a restaurant, like real estate, like all these things, all these ideas. And they're not bad. I'm not dissing any of those things. They're really good, but they can get out of priority for us, I think, sometimes, if we're not careful. And he, in his rational kindness, um, just said, maybe you're just called to be faithful with what's already been entrusted to you. And, uh, yeah. First, I was bothered, because I'm a wife. <laughs> and sometimes when our husbands have advice, it's not always the best timing, but... After I sat with that for a little bit, I realized there was some truth there that I needed to soak in, um, being faithful to what God has already entrusted me to and put on my plate. Um, and so I sat with it. I allowed that defensiveness to kind of simmer and realized it was probably conviction and um, decided I needed to go back to the one who is faithful, the, the source of faithfulness, the definition of faithfulness, which is our faithful father. Um, so I just want to pray real quick before we get into it, but Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to be here. I pray that anything that is heard, any transformation, anything from this Lord, that it is only because of you and your spirit. Thank you for an opportunity to always look back to you, to keep our eyes fixed on you, to be excited about the mission together as a family Thank you for pizza. Thank you for funny videos. All of it, Lord. We are here to lift your name high. Amen. Um, so as I'm diving into this word faithfulness over the last, I don't know, probably six months at this point, something like that, it's like, a new, it's like when you have a new car and everywhere you go, you see that car. It was like that. Faithfulness all of a sudden was just everywhere. I couldn't get away from it. I was like, how have I never looked at this in, in so much detail? And I just want to read um, a scripture on our faithful God. And there should be more scriptures in the handout if you have one. But in Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says, know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Cliff notes, if you haven't read the Bible, it's all about a faithful God pursuing his faithless people time and time and time again. And it's the good news of the gospel. It's, it's everything that we stand on. It's the foundation of our beliefs and our faith. Without his faithfulness, without his promises, without his promises being fulfilled, we would have no hope. Without Jesus coming and fulfilling what we knew was to come through Old Testament, we would have no hope for eternity. We would have nothing to hold to, nothing to cling to. And because he is faithful, because we have promises to stand on, 
um, we can look to him as the guide for that. We can look to him as the guide to why we would be compelled to live a life faithfully. Um, so just to recap the um, parable that was before us, um, we have the three servants, and um, each servant by their master is given different amounts of talents. And in this case, the talents are actually referring to a currency, but theologians will say that it can symbolize a lot of different things in your life, basically entrustments of some sort. Um, so they're given these entrustments, we'll call them talents, um, and it says that first servant receives, I believe, five, the second one, two, and the third one, one, different amounts according to their abilities. And we see that the master leaves, and they are expected to essentially multiply, and the master comes back and settles accounts with them, and the, the third one, who only had the one talent, buried it. There was fear, laziness, potentially, um, some other things that we might talk about later, but doesn't do anything with what the master entrusted them to, and the first two servants multiply them. And this is what is said to the first two servants. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. And when I read this, I was actually reading it through like a devotional study. I was like, oh, in the middle of that discontentment I was feeling, like that wanting something new, something bigger, something better. Um, God is asking us to be faithful. Like, that's it. Be faithful with what I give you, and I'll take care of the rest. So for each of you to just consider tonight, what is it that you're striving after? Is it well done, good, and talented? Is it well done, good, and buff, fit, skinny? <laughs> is it well done, good and popular? Is it well done, good and influential, successful, you name it? But I want each of us to really sit with this because this probably is driving us more than we realize in our decisions in life. And what the Father wants is well done, good and faithful servant. What he gives us is what we have and we are to use that and steward that well. And so God, all throughout scripture, calls us to different things in our life with him. And they're not always easy. Faithfulness, I would not mark as something easy. Um, but when he calls us to something, I want us to shift our minds a little bit and realize that because he is good, because he is faithful, because he is the author of all of these things, he is sovereign and in control, when he calls us to something, his created beings that he knows the best thing for, it's because he has good in it for you. He doesn't just need you to do something. In fact, he doesn't need you to do it to fulfill his purposes, but he has good plans in what he calls you to do. When he calls us to be faithful, he's like, I have good things for you in this, and I'm calling you to be faithful to me. Um, the first point that I noticed in this scripture is a life of faithfulness calls us to purpose. In, and then verse 15, it says, to one he gave five talents, to another two talents, to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. As Christians, and I imagine a lot of us, maybe all of us in the room are um, Jesus-following Christians, we talk about purpose all the time. We talk about what roles we get to play and all of those things. But essentially, 
every Jesus-following church and follower of Jesus has the same, the same purpose. We have the greatest commandments to love God, love people. We have the great commission to go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them his ways. And everything else is pretty much within that. So if you're ever like, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my calling is. If it's within that, like, you're probably okay. (laughs) Um, But because we do serve a God of abundance and a God who is always out giving, giving us more and more, despite our um, ability to deserve that, he gives us also unique gifts and unique capacities and capabilities. And it says in that verse, to one he gave five, to another two, another one, depending on each one's ability. It's such a blessing that we have so many different roles we get to play, but I think it's very important that we don't make those roles like the end goal or part of our identity. They're not part of our identity. They're part of a role and entrustment that we're given by the Father. So whatever you have, whatever entrustment you may have, gifting you may have, capacity, that's a new one. <laughs> Capacity, capability, um, whatever it is. Colossians 3, 23 through 24, whatever you do, like no matter what, if you don't even know what you're doing here today, <laughs> work heartily for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as a reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. But we do live in a fallen world and It's wonderful and beautiful that we receive purpose, but the enemy is still prowling around hoping to distract us from that purpose. So that next point I have is the opposition, because there's always opposition until eternity, to having this God-given amazing purpose is comparison. Comparison is a thief, and comparison will steal our joy time and time again. It will lead us to bury our talents, It will lead us to feeling paralyzed, to feeling not enough, not good enough. It's never going to add to your life. Um, This isn't written in that parable, and I'm not trying to write into the text, but I do wonder about that third servant. If you notice, he only got one talent. And I think at first glance, it seems like that's probably like the worst amount to get. (laughs) Um, And I don't know if he sat there and even knew what the other servants got. But if he did, if he knew the other one got five and two or whatever, like one feels pretty insignificant. One doesn't feel good enough. That's not the one I wanted. You don't trust me, God? And I think if we're not careful, what we're gonna do is bury the one thing that God gave us to do. So... I love this quote from Sandra Stanley. Uh, Her book is The Comparison Trap. I highly recommend it if this is something that you struggle with. Whatever you have is less important than what you do with what you have. She goes on to say, celebrate what God has given others and leverage what God has given you. We are called to simply steward our entrustments. We don't get to call the shots on what those entrustments always look like but we're called to show up to the purpose, to say yes to him. Because it says, the master said, you are faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. So we, we know we can show up, we can say yes, and we can be expectant that the Lord is gonna use that. 
The next thing, um, a life of faithfulness. It calls us, this is a hard one for me, to wait on the Lord and lean in. (laughs) In the passage it says, after a long time, like I never want to hear the words long time. After a long time, the master of those servants came to settle accounts. Faithfulness is long. It's the long game. It's, you can't check it off on my planner. Like, it's the long game. It's longevity. It's loyalty. It's not speedy. And we have to be willing to hold tension for waiting in seasons that are hard for the Lord to do the work that he's wanting to do while also leaning in to what he wants to teach us in those times. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Lamentations 3.24. Is the Lord your portion? And are you willing to wait for him in a season that feels long? In 2024, I feel like waiting just pretty much equals an opportunity to quit. We are really good at quitting. I am good at quitting. Quitting is, it's easy. Our phones are just constantly telling us about the the newest and the best and the greatest things out there. We feel like we're missing out. We don't have enough going for us. We weren't invited. All of these things that feel like, oh, I guess guess I'm not there yet. And so we're, we're stuck in this cycle of either waiting or quitting what we're already doing so we can have that next best thing. We cancel people. We cancel relationships. We quit on marriages. We quit our jobs. We quit our churches. And there is a season when I think there's a healthy goodbye to things. But I think often we, we skip that because things got hard. And so we decide to quit when God is still working in that season. I like this quote from, her name is Natalie Runyon in a book called Raised to Stay. She says, if we quit, like if we quit too early, we won't hear the song of redemption. We won't know the melody of restoration. We won't sing the song of reconciliation. I just want us to be reminded that there's a lot of holiness in waiting. There's a lot of holiness in what God has for us in seasons that feel really long. If we will lean in and be open to that and be ready for him to move. Because waiting is no thing for him. He's outside of time. But he has good things. He has pruning to be had, character to develop. Maybe it's someone else he's developing while you're waiting. You have to trust that he has good things in the waiting and in the timing. And I pray as a church that we could look different than the world. They, they, but also we, quit left and right. And why would they trust anything we have to say if we aren't standing strong? If we are wavering just as much as they are, why would they trust what we have to say here? So can we be a people that says, let's cancel that quitting culture and let's be stairs and remain? when it's healthy, of course. James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let that steadfast have its, steadfastness have its full effect, 
that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In the waiting, we have to remember that he is producing and inviting us for him to be our portion. The opposition to waiting on the Lord is doubting. And I want to be careful not to say that doubt is the enemy in and of itself. I think the enemy wants to use doubt in our lives to distract, to pull away from. But if we can just all be honest, can you raise your hand if you've ever had doubts in your faith? Maybe you have doubts right now, probably. Maybe you've always had doubts. I have struggled with doubt a lot. And I feel like it has been such a freeing thing to realize that doubt can be a gift if we let it. Doubt can throw us to the rock of our salvation if we let it. But sometimes we want the doubts to be the driver when we should be standing on the promises of God. Tim Mackey says, faith and doubt go hand in hand. hand. Spurgeon says, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me to the rock of ages. If we can be reminded today that doubt in and of itself is not the enemy. If you have doubts, you are just normal. The disciples were with Jesus face to face and they had doubts. (laughs) So we're doing okay. It's normal. But we can't allow it to be something that steers us. We need to know its proper placement. Um, I love this quote, and I actually can't find the author of it, but it was within the Bible app, um, a study within there. It said, we have to trust what our faith tells us and demand that our feelings take a back seat. It's been said that we often believe our doubts and doubt our beliefs. We need to flip that around. Remembering and claiming the truth we've learned in the rich spiritual seasons of our lives will carry us through the valleys when doubts come our way. When we are letting our feelings and our doubts shape us in our, in our faith, in our direction in life, it's just going to waver every day. There's no solid rock there. We have to be reminded that it's not our feelings for him why he died on the cross. It's not because of our feelings for him. It's because of his feelings for us. Spurgeon says something along those, and I couldn't find the quote. Um, the next one is a life of faithfulness. And the last one here, a life of faithfulness calls us to his joy and presence. The last part of that verse in 21, share your master's joy. The master gives an invitation to share in his joy. The end goal in faithfulness is not that we just get it all right and stick it out and muster up our own strength so that we're not quitters. The end goal of faithfulness is that we get Jesus. But spoiler alert, you get Jesus even if you're not faithful. The blood of Jesus is enough to cover all of those servants. If you say yes to his grace, you get his grace. If you say yes to Jesus, you get Jesus. And it can be so easy for us to try to make a a list, to try to make a, a chart or a way or a ladder to experiencing his joy, but his presence was already bought for us at the cross. The opposition to experiencing his joy 
as followers, as people that have already said yes to Jesus, is just that we forget who he is. We simply forget who he is. Um, so like I said earlier, I'm a doer. A lot of you guys are doers in the room. If you're not, like, God bless you and teach me your ways. <laughs> but my dad is also a doer. And I believe I got a lot of that, well, from both, both of my parents, but in a lot of ways from my dad. And he loves to do things and start businesses, and he's been successful with that. And, I mean, he just started a school, and I don't even think he went to school. So just keeps going. Love you, Dad. Um, but he's instilled a lot of things in me, and he's inspired me a lot over the years. Sometimes he challenges me, frustrates me maybe a little bit. Um, but he sees potential in me that I don't see in myself right? Because he's my dad, and he wants the best for me. But at the end of the day, my relationship with my dad, my standing as his daughter doesn't change no matter if I do those things that he wants me to do or not. It doesn't change if I fulfill the potential he thinks I have, if I exceed it, if I'm below it, if I say yes to any of it. It does not change that I'm his daughter and he's my dad, and he loves me, that's it. And if we're not careful as Christians, we forget time and time again that our identity and our standing is in Jesus and him alone and his faithfulness. You could be any one of those servants at the end of your life, and you're covered by the blood. We get to experience his joy. We get to experience being with him one day, not because of the life that we live. But I will say that God knows us the best, that he sees your potential. He sees opportunities. He sees what he's entrusted to you. He doesn't want you to bury it. He wants you to step into it because he is a good father that has, has your ways written down. He knows what he's asking you to do and he just wants you to say yes. He has good things for us. He has good plans for us. The last song that we're gonna um, sing, I love the line. It says, if I know my father, then I know my father has good plans for me. We don't step into faithfulness just to do another thing. There's enough to do. <laughs> We step in because we know our Father. We know his faithfulness. We know he is good. He created us. His ways are higher. His love for us is, like they said yesterday, irrational. It doesn't make sense. But we just get the opportunity to accept that, to know he, who he is, and step into what he has for us, living a life faithfully for him. You guys pray with me. Thank you so much, God, that you alone are faithful, that you alone pursue us no matter what we do or don't do. You are always pursuing your faithless children time and time again. Would you remind us that you are the source of faithfulness and that when we cling to you, when we cling to your promises, when you are the foundation 
that we are invited into a life of overflow from that place. I pray one day, Lord, that when we get to heaven, you say to all of us, well done, good and faithful servant. But God, also thank you that when we're not faithful, you're still there welcoming us with your loving arms, accepting us and blessing us. Can we remember who you are and whose we are today and walk faithfully because of that? Amen.